Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. 11 o'clock Friday morning. Welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, Tyler Head, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you wrapping up this week. Um, I brought this point up earlier at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. I knew it was going to be a very long week because obviously last week you had New Year's Day on a Monday, so it was a short week for everybody, and you had Christmas the week before that. So we haven't gotten used to like the five-day week for 2024 yet. But when you add on to the fact, all the news that has happened this week, like I tweeted this out earlier, the national championship game and Saban's retirement were 48 hours apart. And it feels like it was a month between those two things happening. Like we've been flooded with so many things happening just around college football this week. Not even happening things in the NFL and other sports and stuff like that. Nike and Tiger don't have a relationship anymore. Haven't even talked about that this week. Like so much stuff has happened. It's been a week, guys. Oh, are we complaining? No, we're not. From a standpoint Um, of what we do, I love it. Well, we got uh, Belichick, like, basically... Mutu- sa- I feel like m- mutually agreeing to part ways. Yeah, I feel like Saban kind of, at least for me personally, not being as big of an NFL guy, the Saban retirement kind of stole mm-hmm. a little bit of the thunder from what should have been probably the biggest football story of the week. If Belichick was truly retiring, it might have been bigger, but he's likely going to coach somewhere else. But, yes, him leaving the Patriots, that's... It's a big deal, and they, again, mutually agreed to part ways, which you don't fire the guy that won you, what, six Super Bowls over 20 years. Like, I get it. But, um, yeah, and completely overshadowed Pete Carroll and his deal on Tuesday, which should have been a big story, and we just, like, forgot about that. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, So is is Belichick going to your Falcons? I see you're wearing your They seem to be the leading candidate. Um, Wait, really? From what I've read. 
Because so here's the thing. Um, Falconscoop.com? They, 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 so they fired <laughs> Arthur Smith. They were the first ones on Black Monday to announce this fire. 12.02 like, a.m. They did not waste any time. And <laughs> all the other teams around the league through like Monday and Tuesday were, you know, requesting to interview other coordinators, head coaches, whatever it may be, um, for their jobs. The Falcons did none of that. They finally requested Raheem Morris yesterday. Do you see what the Rams, former assistant for the Falcons, that satisfies the Rooney rule, but they've not requested any other uh, interviews. And then, of course, Bill Belichick making his announcement yesterday. I mean, the signs are there. They're making a push. I don't know if he's going to go there. I think Washington's a better job, but they're going to try. So it's going to be John Gruden is what you're saying. Oh, my goodness. Maybe, yeah. Meanwhile, you see the Panthers are like, we're not going to try to hide. Like, here's our list. They literally put out a list of 17 names for for their head coaching slash, not the same job, but combined, head coach and GM job. Here's our candidates. Here they are. I brought up this point last hour. There were counting New England, which has now been filled by Gerard Mayo being um, elevated from their linebackers coach. There were eight openings in the NFL this offseason, as of right now, unless a playoff team ends up firing somebody. So the last thing you want to be is the bottom team out of that eight because your options at head coach probably aren't going to be as good because there's other more sought-after jobs out there. The Panthers are at the bottom of that list. They are definitely the least attractive option of the jobs open right now. Well, that's very rude of you, first of all, Tyler. (laughs) Second of all, how dare you? Third of all, I mean, while true... I feel like hiring these coaches is a crapshoot anyway. It can so, be. It's like, it's kind of like the NFL draft. You'd much rather have the number one pick. Sure. But it's what you do with it as well. And unfortunately, I don't really have a heck of a lot of faith in the Panthers to be the one to magically know who to go hire, you know, at this point. And you just really, I mean, what do you even have going for you Nothing. at this point if you're the Panthers? Hot Tyler. I mean, just keep rubbing it in, man. Jim but, Harbaugh, baby. But why would he come to Carolina? Yeah, I know. Why would he work for it, Tepper? It, here's a terrible offense, bad owner, and, oh, you don't have a first-round pick for, like, 12 years either. The prospect of Bryce Young might be enticing enough. Yes, yes, that, yes. And, you know, people are already labeling him as a bust. It's and, not his fault that he didn't have anybody around him this year and, um, you know, a bad infrastructure in his organization. That, yeah, and, and that's probably to, – to somebody like Jim Harbaugh, that's going to be important, right? This is sure. a guy that's used to running a program. Right. You don't want to step in to a situation where, you you know, you, you're stripped of control. Hey, just go coach this team that I'm putting together. Right. And you see some of the behaviors, and you're not exactly inspired by that, right? Who's the GM? Um, Panthers' defense actually really good. Solid. And they, and they blocked the Jaguars from interviewing their D.C. <laughs> right. Because, and he's also going to get an interview for the Panthers' job. So, fascinating. But you're right. I mean, a lot of stories in college football and and across the NFL, just college sports in general, pro sports. Um, another one, y'all, that I've been thinking about, too, that there's a lot of, like, reflection. Sure. As Nick Saban's left, you think about, hey, what if Rich Rod would have taken that job? Right? And – all these different things, but like, what if Mike Price doesn't y'all get fired do, back in 03? Do what he did. The dominoes yeah. that uh, from that. Yeah, I mean, it just it really changed the course of the game, and um, you know what? Would Nick Saban have landed at a different SEC program? I mean, maybe so. Very likely. A L- lot of things to think about.
But I, I'm, I'm fascinated by, you know, I watched Saban's interview with Reese Davis. Y'all probably call it that. Very well done. It was really, really good. Really honest. Really great. And to me, though, it's so fascinating who's going to be the next guy in Tuscaloosa. And I don't, do we have a good handle on it? Well, two, so. two candidates left the board yesterday, Dan Landing and yes. Steve Sarkeesian last night, which Landing seemed to be the top pick uh, based on what sources were saying. And, again, I think Phil Knight slid him a nice check across the table and said, hey, why don't you hang around Eugene a little bit longer? Okay, I'll do that. Um, so he's off the board. Sarkeesian, I don't know if he would have left Texas. Like, yeah. I think he's got a good thing going there. Obviously, just took him to the college football playoff and is building something good coming into his first year in the SEC. Um, it really seems like it's down to Norvell and DeBoer at this point in time. Well, something, glad you brought up DeBoer. Something came up this morning on social media. So a radio station out in Seattle, 93.3 KJR, they, I don't know if they have regularly scheduled visits with Kalen DeBoer, but they posted on X this morning, hey, we know you're looking forward to a visit with Coach DeBoer. He's not going to join us this morning. We're going to reschedule it. And they said, understand that Coach DeBoer and UW Athletics are continuing to work towards a future we can all be excited about. So that was interesting. Not just, hey, he's not going to, He's not going to join us. Right. They added in that little part, so you can draw your own conclusions from that. So they've been in negotiations with his extension of his contract going back to, like, November. It's basically been sitting on the table even, you know, through the playoffs and all that kind of stuff, and he's yet to sign it. So they're still negotiating that, um, and perhaps he saw a prospect of going to a, a different job, um, you know, should he have success this season. And that certainly seems to be on the table there with, uh, with Alabama now. And I'm currently logging on to Flight Aware to see if there's any – Flight scheduled from Seattle to Tuscaloosa anytime soon. You checking that out? I you know, am. Start. I, I don't know. Washington, I think they have a – I think you're going to go private plane or, or Alabama private plane on that one. But I did think it was interesting that they threw in that bit, not just, hey, I'm. we regret to inform you he's not joining us. Right. They threw in the Washington-related bit. So here's my question. What, what if Kalen DeBoer is like, you know what, I'm good. I've I've coached at what what was the name of the school Sioux Falls. Falls yep won three NAIA natties there. I've been at Fresno State. I've been a college OC. I've got this really good job at Washington. I just went to the national title game in my second year at this school. Right. Chris Peterson, former head coach at Washington, he used to take his boat into work. You know, like pretty good job. Right. You know and. Maybe he's the kind of guy where he's like, you know what, I'm, I'm good. I'm staying in Washington. You know, where do they go next, if that's the case? It'd be fascinating. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he's done a good job in his, his couple seasons at Washington there. I, I don't know if he's a fit for Alabama. It is a different fit. Doesn't have ties to the Southeast. He's not like this savant when it comes to recruiting. His classes at Washington have been 27th and 30th. That's not exactly lighting the world on fire. Doesn't have connections to the Southeast. Like, there's a lot of boxes that are not being checked here And what I would, if I was making the decision, one is an Alabama head coach. But is he a great coach? I think... The, the indications are yes. <laughs> yes. I, I think, you know, let, let's try to think back. I mean, Saban... Yes, when Alabama hired him, checked all those boxes. Mm -hmm. Saban, when LSU hired him, would you have said he checked all those boxes yet? I mean, you know, I, I think, I mean, he was at Michigan State. 
Right. Like, um, and, and not that it's not that it's comparable. I'm just saying, if, if you're Alabama, you have all the other pieces in place. So do you go get – are you trying to re- replace Nick Saban, like hire the, the closest guy to Nick Saban, or are you trying to just go hire the best coach mm-hmm. and then be confident that everything else you have in place is uh, is going to carry that guy? I also think if, if, you're, if you're DeBoer, are you looking at it like I – caught lightning in a bottle this year. I'm losing these receivers. Mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. losing Penix. Let me just parlay this thing. I know every coach is the most confident guy in every room they walk into, but from a practical standpoint, fired SEC coach is the best <laughs> it's the best job in America. So Yeah. If I'm his family, if I'm you know, I'm I mean, do you and, have how many opportunities do you have? And, and look, Alabama, whoever they hire, it's going to be a long term contract. They're not going to say, "Well, you know, we'll sign you for three years and see if you work out, and if not, we'll fire you and get somebody else." Like they're going to bring in somebody they think can lead them for another fifteen to twenty years. Like it's going to be a long term deal, which would have an insane buyout if that well, were the case. Well, Jimmy Sexton's going to yeah have the ninety percent chance. The next coach is one of his clients. Jimmy's, Probably 100%. Jimmy, Jimmy Sexton's going to be able to buy another house with this deal alone. He, wa- he was he was inside the athletic facility. Because he he's on, has an office He's there. on both sides of it. He represents yeah. Saban as well as, I believe, Norvell and DeBoer both. Like, he's everywhere. He has he has the best job in the country, actually. Absolutely. I think. He at least has to work for it. I he, mean, if you're fired, he's like, yeah. fired coach, you're chilling. That's, you can go true. do whatever you want. But I, I saw this thing, and it's, it's very true. I just never thought of it like this. Alabama wants this search to move quickly. Yes. Sexton does not. <laughs> right. He he wants this yeah. job to get he he doesn't want this job to get his clients hired at Alabama. He wants them to all get raises, whether that's at Alabama, Washington, Florida, whoever he's representing. Sure. He he's going to parlay this. He holds all the cards. Like uh, it, it's almost I mean in some ways, you wonder how that's even legal for him to represent all sides. Of, you know what I'm saying? Like I mean, He's kind of got the monopoly. Yeah, so I, I don't know how all that works but legally, but clearly he and his organization control college football, especially here in the Southeast. So I, uh, I, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of chatter um, around Norvell mm-hmm. as well. I feel like that'd be a good fit. Based on the options that you have right now, on what we know, yeah, I think Landing would have been a great fit, but I think I think Landing would have been the best fit yeah. of this group. But I mean, the Oregon great job by them. They even parlayed this into recruiting attention. Oh yeah, as well for sure. Um, no, and again, we'll learn in due time what his significant raise was to stay out there at Oregon. But, yeah, I think it would have been the best fit. And, and look, Norvell's done a good job in his couple of years at, at Florida State and obviously could have had them in the college football playoff if the committee had other opinions on things. But um, and we'll get to some things happening with Florida State a little bit later on in the show because, man, they're taking it on the chin week after week after week, it seems like. Um, but we'll touch a little bit on the transfer portal. Why it's been a little bit of a slower week for Carolina this week. There is one name that people will know from the past that – might have an interest in potentially coming back. We'll talk about that coming up. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Wes Mitchell, Tyler Head, Chris Clark along with you on your Friday on the game, the 107.5 The Game app, and streaming live on the Game TV.
Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you on your Friday morning. Remind you once again about the Game TV where you can watch all three of us here in the studio. Uh, just go on to YouTube, search the Game TV, and uh, you can watch all of our shows all day long from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Thanks to our friends over at Integrated Media for the great setup here in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios. Florida State is just in the headlines for so many reasons. Uh, we'll get to their deal with the NCAA here in a moment. Obviously, Mike Norvell potentially going to Alabama if they decide to hire him. And uh, in terms of the transfer portal as well, and specifically if he goes to Alabama, it's going to be a lot more guys from Florida State entering the transfer portal. One name that is in the transfer portal as of right now that – South Carolina fans very familiar with that being Gilbert Edmond. Uh, some indications that maybe he might be coming back to Columbia. Yeah, that's um, definitely a possibility. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that's official yet, but definitely a possibility. Something we've been tracking for for quite a while now. And you know, this is this is somebody who can maybe provide some some valuable depth for South Carolina. Was a a former starter. Maybe an example of someone who entered the portal and realized that the grass was not always greener. Had a pretty good thing going here in Columbia. Went back home, kind of, you know, did the dream school thing. Florida State, he's a Florida kid. You know, you you kind of get it. I, I guess the Gamecock fans probably don't get it. But sure. from his standpoint, <laughs> I, I kind of get it. Um, but if he does return, you're talking about m- more evidence, in my opinion, that South Carolina has decided to pull out all the stops on building depth on their defensive front. And you look at the competition they've built there. You look at the fact that they returned, you know, you kind of go towards the interior. They returned several veterans who have played a bunch, but they still have kept adding on. You know, you added DeAndre Jules, who I, I think is actually going to push for starter minutes, basically up front. And then adding Kyle Kennard to the outside and just continuing to push for, for guys who I think can play this year tells me they have it as a priority in-house to build that type of depth where you can just rotate guys in and out and keep them fresh and there will be very little drop-off at those positions. So if Edmonds returns, I know, I know people will have mixed feelings on that. However... Um, if that's South Carolina's decision, um, which it it appears that's going to be an option for him, if if they go that direction, then you kind of just have to. You don't have to agree with it, but you kind of just have to acknowledge that the staff has a better feel for him as a player, as a person, how it went down behind the scenes, how it went down with his return. Mm-hmm. You know, some sometimes if somebody comes back hat in hand and just says I I messed up sometimes you give people grace so we we don't know all the details on how it went down behind the scenes but I think we just kind of have to acknowledge that we don't have all those details yeah and I mean we didn't definitely don't recall at that time hearing anything super negative some surprise yeah because you got to remember so this is a guy in the 2020 recruiting class, and he was a signing day flip for the previous staff. He was committed to South Florida, former high school receiver who had really blown up as I think I think he moved to defensive end like his junior season. I want to say he had like 
16, 17 sacks as a senior down at Fort Pierce Westwood and was committed to South Florida, and they South Carolina flipped him late. And so it, it was known kind of a raw guy. He's going to have to add weight. He's going to have to learn. And so, you know, goes through a couple years. Well, then in 2022, he had kind of that breakout season. Mm-hmm. You remember that was the year that Jordan Strong got injured in the Arkansas game, game two. And so that opened the door more for Gilbert Edmond to, to play more than they probably anticipated. But remember hearing a lot around that time that Sterling Lucas, South Carolina's edges coach, who's still here, really liked him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Edmund had gotten up to 250 pounds and kind of had a nice canvas to work with, and he really had improved. I mean, that season, I think he had 39 tackles, ended up starting 10 games, um, had, I think, 10 pressures, had nine tackles for loss. So he had a good year. And then he moves on to FSU, plays in every game, but statistically didn't have, you know, maybe the impact he expected. I love when Chris uses words like canvas. Yes, thank you. He, I, I have my words I use. I, I like when Chris busts out oh, his, okay. his unique I say words. Chris, too. Chris brings us the, the dictionary words. Yes, but I, I agree, man. And I, I think um, you, you, can, you can never have too much depth, really at any roster spot, but defensive line. One thing I, one thing I took away from Will Muschamp that it always just stuck with me, it's that when pass rushers get tired, it takes a long time for them to get that juice back. Right. And, you know, you can almost you can f- almost feel when those guys get tired. And, it, you know, sometimes fans will look at you and be like, oh, man, that guy's being lazy. When they kind of do that whole just stand up and kind of hand fight and just stand around thing. It's like nine times out of ten, that guy's not being lazy. He's just cooked. Like he, <laughs> he is has nothing left. If you've ever you ever been working out and your heart rate is just so high and you're just <laughs> like your muscles are burning and you're just like, I don't have anything left. Like that that's where you get and for those big guys, you know, a smaller guy, receiver may run a couple go routes, taps his helmet, comes to the sideline, and then two minutes of real time, not even game time, two minutes later, their heart rate is lowered. I'm I'm back in, coach. Mm-hmm. For the pass rush guys, especially then the interior guys, man, it just takes some time to get that back. So I think when you can stack defensive linemen, that is extremely valuable to your football team. And you mentioned, you know, what surrounded him leaving and not necessarily knowing what went on from an internal standpoint to a full degree. I know, and I wasn't here at this point in time when he did decide to leave, but when his name gets brought up, there is a certain vitriol that a lot of fans seem to have about him leaving and the nature of him leaving and obviously we know there's going to be an NIL component of that going down to a place like Florida State um, and again returning home going to the dream school that whole situation but um, I, I would be very interested to see and please let me know Firehouse Subs text line 803-404-6100 how fans would receive him coming back to South Carolina after leaving in the way that he did we'll see right you've, ar- you've already I mean when we broached the subject on the Gamecock Central Forum We've seen both sides. We've seen both reactions. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a hard no, like, don't do this. And we've hard seen, day. yeah, we've seen the, hey, man, you, you got to show people some grace sometimes. And we've seen what I think South Carolina will be smart to do and probably will do is the, hey, man, tell people about your experience. Tell, tell them the portal. 
is not always all it's cracked up to be. Now, there is a certain level when it comes to the portal of, hey, man, we would love to have – the portal is great when you're coming to my school. The portal <laughs> is evil, <laughs> very evil when you're leaving. So, you know, that that's always kind of a, I don't know, a contradiction there. But I, I think if, if you're South Carolina, you would um, – if you're South Carolina, you would basically – have to consider all the factors in this. Yeah, and and I was talking to somebody who knows Gilbert actually this morning uh, through text and got a text just no place like home and and meant not home in Florida like at South Carolina because, again, I mean, he spent several years here and had really started to develop. And so you can look in in the transfer portal area and understand somebody might make that move and then maybe for them it doesn't work out. And so if there's a desire to come back and – things ended fine which i think they did as Wes said we don't know all the details there then it then it makes sense right because i mean again a guy that sterling lucas liked as a player the staff seemed to like i you didn't hear any gilbert edmund i don't think left south carolina because of some extreme disenchantment with the school this is just Mm -hmm. this is a decision that he made and so he obviously felt good enough about the program what's going on as coaches to decide hey I would, I would like to come back. We'll see how that plays out over the course of the weekend. We could be talking about him returning to South Carolina officially come Monday morning, or excuse me, Tuesday morning. We'll actually be out for MLK Day um, come Monday. But speaking of Florida State, where Gilbert Edmonds had spent this past season, they're in the news cycle once again, and this time with the NCAA. We'll talk about that coming up. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Wes Mitchell, Tyler Head, Chris Clark, along with you on this Friday on The Game, The Game TV, and 107.5 The Game. Back in, it is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you. Quick reminder, got a uh, basketball coming up over the next couple of days. Got men in action tomorrow taking on Missouri. Tip off at 3.30. Pre-game coverage starting at 3 right here on the game. Then coming up on Monday, MLK Day, we're going to have women's basketball as they take on Kentucky. Tip for that game is at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage starting at 6.30 right here on the game. I've mentioned Florida State several times in this hour, talked about Gilbert Evan, talked about Mark Norvell possibly going and taking the Alabama job. Florida State also in the headlines last night for another reason, this one having to do with NCAA violations as they were dinged by the NCAA for a NIL violation, which is something that we haven't seen a lot of in the short era of NIL. Going back to the spring of 2022, where Marius Mims, offensive tackle at Georgia, was in the transfer portal at that point in time, made a visit to Florida State, and was taken to a meeting with the Rising Spear, which is their NIL collector down there, by an assistant on their team, their um, um, offensive coordinator, Alex Atkins. Of course, at this meeting, there was discussion of what compensation Amarius Mims would make if he decided to come to Florida State. And this has since been found out. They have evidence. And now they've hit... Florida State with a significant amount of penalties here. Now, again, you're not just going to give them a slap, a slap on the wrist, but a lot of people are saying that these are maybe taking it a little bit to a higher degree than it should have. Um, I view this as maybe the NCAA's way of sending a message to teams around the country to not mess around with NIL because whoever messes up the next time, it's going to be even worse for them. We have been hearing for a long time. I was going to say months. This is more accurately been years. Hey, the NCAA, they're beefing up their enforcement team. They're, they've got active investigations open. 
And so far, up until this, it had really been a nothing burger. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there just there weren't any actual indications that they were willing or able or both to enforce these rules. And so when I saw this, it, I mean, you're like, wow, you know, because it, it is kind of surprising. And I'll be quite frank to me with where we are in the college game now, a little crazy that we're seeing this because, um, the, a lot of a big part of the reason that we don't have good structure is because of the NCAA and its member schools just you know ignoring this whole thing for so long and so when you hear the NCAA and even the school ah there's no rules it's their fault yeah right that we you know because we we didn't have a structure for so long but you've got this and I was thinking about this distinction this morning like this contrast this is happening let's be real this happens across the College football. Yes. Florida State's getting hit for it. Was it, like, turned in or something? You know, maybe. They, they had sufficient enough evidence. Yes. Which, again, for something as casual as driving somebody to a meeting, you got to find a text message, a phone call, email, something that spells out, yeah. hey, here's what happened. And, and, and so if you look at the actual rules, yes, violations occurred. Happens all across the board now in, in the NIL era. But the, the thing I was thinking about this morning to contrast with this is Missouri – with their NIL law, their state law says they can do this very thing. That's right. Right here. You know, so it's like, so obviously they're doing it. So is the NCAA going to try to, say, open an investigation against Missouri and then try to fight them in court, you know, to beat their state law, which, you know, then there's a big legal battle. Right. Um, will they come after other schools that have surely done something similar to this or, or quote-unquote, worse than this? One of the things, again, you have things like probation, you've got a slight scholarship reduction, the, you know, a limit on communication with guys in the transfer portal when it opens up back again coming up in April. But, but this is the thing that really stuck out to me. And I'm going to read this from Ross Dellinger on Yahoo Sports. The school must also disassociate with the NIL collective representative for a term of three years. The school also must disassociate from the NIL collective for one year. As a part of this the disassociation, FSU cannot accept assistance from the collective, and the collective cannot contribute to the athletic program in any way. However, uh, the collective is still free to work with athletes on NIL endeavors. So, again, we're trying to streamline this process with NIL and the NCAA is even putting things on the table to get the schools more involved with NIL. But with this, they're saying, well, you can't do anything with this NIL for a calendar year because you broke this rule now. Yeah. But what does that even mean? Like you can't do anything, but the athletes can still, I don't know work how with them. I like, don't know how that works. Yeah. Well, you, you can't, I mean, if NIL is supposed to be separate from all this, then um, you know, it's it's not a direct deal with the school, then you can't really tell that collective they can't do deals with student-athletes, which is what, you know, they even said. Yeah, right. the, the players themselves are still free to go do these deals with this collective. So I don't even understand stand what that even means. Also important to point out, this is not their main collective, right? Like yes, this is, this is a secondary a secondary mm-hmm. collective that popped Smaller up. One. Yeah, so... But it it is it does show you the to me the rules are just kind of ridiculous. Particularly, everybody's just having to pretend. Mm-hmm. Just just open the thing up. I mean, you know, we we can put some type of restrictions, like like the term that comes to mind is like collective bargaining. Like, figure out 
a structure and generally work within it. Let's not pretend and do and do this whole charade. Like, how ridiculous is it to say, you know what? Hey, man, as soon as you get to campus, you can do a deal with an NIL collective, right? But you can't meet them. You can't talk to – neither side can know each other. Right. Like, in what on what world is business done like that? Do you, do you pick – every now and then you'll see a prospect commit to a school without visiting, right? But he's going to at least have talked to the coaches, done yeah. Zooms with the coaches. He's going to research the school. Now you're supposed to enter this business arrangement without anybody well, knowing each other. And my question for this is, how do they not see this coming when – and again, there's no parameters on NAL really when it came about. It was the Wild Wild West, but like you knew, and again, by the letter of the law of what was broken with Florida State, it states the boosters for uh, it prohibits boosters from using the promise of NAL deals as an incentive to try and convince a prospect to attend or transfer to a particular school. And again, while this one definitely breaks the rule of you have a prospect and a collective sitting down face to face and talking about it, there's all these back channels that we talk about, mm-hmm. whether that be through uh, friends, family, high school coaches, whatever it may be, there's a way to communicate with these athletes and with these collectives without ever sitting down face to face. Like they had to have known this was going to happen. Yes. And here we are. And then they said, you know, oh, we're all about the student athlete, student athlete protections. But hey, get do a collective deal without ever meeting the collective, supposedly. Then you remember a while back when South Carolina announced their NIL program, and part of it was going to be we're going to give uh, contract advice mm-hmm. and tax advisement and agency services. And the NCAA said, nope, you can't do that. Yeah. Because you'd have to give it to every other student at your university if you did something like that. So they banned it, and now they've come back and said, well, yeah, actually, we're probably going to let you do that. I mean, it just it just makes no sense. And so – a lot of the things that they say they're doing under the guise of protecting athletes are really just a way for them to kind of keep their thumb on things, to me. And again, this is the first major violation that we've seen in the NIL front, and I imagine there's going to be some more coming at some point down the uh, down the way. And there's a lot of programs, probably all of them around the country, now having meetings today saying, okay, we're doing the same thing. What do we have to do to not get caught? Because the next team to get caught is going to be probably facing even more harsh punishment than what um you know florida state um you know did here how about this run for florida state though you go (laughs) from you know you put together this undefeated season (laughs) you really handle frankly the transfer portal as well as anyone out there in terms of going out and getting players right and then you go undefeated in the regular season what happens you get left out you're trying to get out of the acc then the NCAA decides to pick on you. This is like... Oh, your coach also might leave. Th- this <laughs> is like... I'm getting there. This is, this is like the the kid who already fell and skint their knee at recess, now getting bullied because they don't have Nikes. Like, they're... they're, they're you're, picking on, you're picking on Florida State. And then, guess what? Your coach might get poached by an SEC, the same SEC school that, <laughs> that took your place you out of the the playoff. Mm. The playoff. So you have a skint knee getting made fun of for not wearing Nikes, and then somebody just kicks sand in his face. Do you say skint too, Tyler? I do. Okay, I didn't know that was a th- like. Is that a, not is a there, thing? Is there an option for otherwise? I I normally say skint. Skint. Skinned, skinned knee. I don't. I don't. N-N-E-D. know. 
Skinny. I've never. I've actually it, never thought about. Well, you can think about it during this break. We'll come back and wrap up the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game, uh, the 107.5 The Game app and streaming live at the Game TV. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Ed, West Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you for a couple more minutes. We're turning things over to myself and Terry Ford for today's edition of the Halftime Show. I, I brought this question up earlier. We were talking about Gilbert Edmond and kind of seeing both people on both sides of the aisle in terms of welcoming him back, um, you know, given how some people weren't happy with him exiting and going to Florida State this past season. Nameless Texter weighs in on the Firehouse Subs text line and says, as far as Gilbert Edmond coming back, if it helps us win more games, that is all that matters. And I think that's a mindset that a lot of people are going to share with this and with this new era of college football that we're entering. And I know as of right now, because of the NCAA restraining order, it's only temporary, but I imagine NCAA is probably going to get teeth kicked in in court once again with an antitrust case where guys are going to be able to transfer wherever they want, unlimited, every single year. You're going to have guys going to four different schools over the course of four to five years where this kind of thing might happen a lot where somebody transfers, goes somewhere else, doesn't like what they have there, and ends up coming back. So we saw it with Austin Stogner coming to South Carolina, then going back to Oklahoma. So this is something that you might unfortunately have to get used to in the new college football that we're getting set to enter. Yeah, and I, I think going back to my idea that we all kind of have to recalibrate our our brains around some of this stuff. I mean, I think if, especially for, let's look at it from like the Florida State side too, or from the South Carolina side with Juice Wells. It, I feel like if a guy has already transferred once, like if a guy transfers into your school, every what's one of the first things people ask if they really follow this roster stuff? What did he do at his old school? And how many years of eligibility is there left? Right. And when this first started, I was among the opinion, like, man, getting a freshman transfer is almost better than getting a high school guy. However, I've changed my thought process on that for as long as the NCAA is going to allow two-time transfers without graduation. Right. For one, that means the guy didn't stick it out at at his other place. So the chances of them just being, oh, I'm going to be a guy that sticks it out at my new place, just based on the evidence, those chances are smaller. I th- I think anybody that transfers into your school as a fan, you look at it like it's a one-year deal until it's not. You know, with, with Spencer Rattler, we thought it was going to be a one-year deal. It ended up being a two-year deal. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of other reasons for that. But – you know, I, I think if, if a guy transfers in, you've already seen evidence that they are willing to transfer. And we talked about earlier this month, the barriers for transfer being smaller than they ever have been or being shorter than they ever have been. Well, the barrier doesn't exist anymore. So it, it's a one-year deal. Florida State, I I imagine, was okay with Gilbert leaving. He was a rotational guy. But the fact that he transferred out, Probably saw, hey, I actually had it pretty good in Columbia and wants to come back. Um, if I'm South Carolina, I agree with Nameless Texter. Can you help me win games? Yes. Did you burn your bridges on the way out? Mm-hmm. The answer is apparently no. Three, how do you handle your return? Are you coming back hat in hand? And willing, are you willing when your teammate thinks about transferring to be like, 
I don't know, man. <laughs> Think twice before you do it. Well, and you also have to understand that the South Carolina you're coming back to is not the team that you left two years ago in terms of, well, I'm just going to slide in and play the exact same amount of snaps and have the same roles. Like, no, the roster looks different. There are other guys that have come in from the transfer portal. You may not be getting the same amount of snaps that you would theoretically had if you stuck around last year and were on the roster again this upcoming year. Yeah, I mean, very true. And, I mean, to, to Wes's point, Gilbert Edmond didn't just leave to go to random school A. He went to Florida State in his home state. And they had a great year, you know, and he still came back to South Carolina. And so it is something that you can, I think that they will use for current roster attention, for recruiting, whether it's high school, whether it's portal. I mean, Shane Beamer likes to talk about culture and things like that. You could say, hey, hey, we're in a transfer portal era. So sure, we're, we've had guys leave, we've had guys leave and it not go so well at their new school. We've had guys leave and it go well at their new school. I mean, Jordan Birch, right? Yep. I mean, on field, that's gone pretty well for him, individually and as a team, it seems like. And then we've had a guy that has left and wanted to come back, you know? And and I think that's something that you can you can point to in recruiting. And, uh, I mean, I agree with your criteria, too, Wes. I mean, if you check all those boxes and he's a guy that you think can help, clearly they, they do, right? They don't, they don't have to take a guy like Gilbert Edmund. It looked like they were probably going to be done at edge. But here's a guy that you're very – there's familiarity, and he's made some plays for you. He's got, what, two years left? And you probably feel like, hey, there's still some development that can be that can be done here. Absolutely. We'll keep it locked on Gamecock Central all weekend long for the latest on that. And by the time we're back in here on Tuesday, we should know the latest of what's happening with Gilbert Edmund. And that will do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs, Halftime Show, coming up next with myself and Terry Ford right here on The Game, the 107.5 The Game app, and streaming on The Game TV. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.